That's fucking Bermuda, weird. That's crazy. Jamaica. Ooh, I wanna take you to Bermuda. That's the Bermuda part. I just made the Bermuda part. Come on, pretty mama. <gasps> Key Larco. Fuck. Fantiga. What's up? Jenna, can you copy paste this? Yeah. Shit. Did we forget about it again? And I thought about it, and then you started saying something. I was listening, and then I totally got distracted, and then you gave me this delicious tea. Whatever. I cause so many fucking problems. With your delicious tea. You're going to fire me from this podcast, aren't you? Because you do everything, and I just sit here. And look amazing. So, Jenna, are you finishing writing your story right now? I'm not writing it. Okay. I'm setting some things up to... Help me if I need right. to answer questions okay. for you. Okay. And I'm going to set things up too. Um, by the way, guys, I'd like to welcome you all to the Art of Murder. Hi. I, I'm Julie. I'm Jenna. <laughs> I almost said Jenna. Did you? I'm I think, Julie. I think I've, I've done that before too because I kind of want to say that's Jenna, but then I just go, uh, uh, I'm Jenna. Well, then let's redo this. <laughs> Hi. Welcome to the Art of Murder. I'm Julie. I'm Jenna. That's Julie. No, no, that's Jenna. <laughs> Uh, we are a true crime podcast that talks about true crime. <laughs> That's pretty much what's happening. Yep. And, Last time um, I checked. <laughs> we talk, we say our opinions, and if our facts are wrong, well, we tried hard, and uh, we are not uh, professionals. You are here because you want to hear it from us. Yeah. And if we would like to accidentally say that it's winter when it was summer... So be it. We're not doing it on purpose. Not at all. No, no, no. No, no, no. So, <clears throat> um, I'm changing the podcast this time, Jenna. Why? No, that's yeah, my no. job. I'm supposed to ruin I know. things. No, you change the podcast, but I'm changing it a little bit. Okay. From like, um, my story is not going to be one story, but it's going to be multiple stories. Bum, bum, bum. And they won't necessarily all be about death or murder. Okay. But eeriness or weirdness so like let's bring in maybe an alien story or an occult story or a mystery warfare story or ghost story or mass death stories does that sound good so could we say that this is the art of storytelling this is the art of storytelling so much so that i am reading it right out of the newspaper (laughs) (laughs) i love that like the newspaper the newspaper specifically the national post that came out october 31st 2018 whoa and the article was yes very recent i kept it since then the article was called hooded figurine entirely chilling yet completely true events from canadian history by tristan hopper Ooh, that's exciting yes so i will read you a little story and then we will discuss and then i will read you another story and guys before you think that this is annoying wait the stories are fantastic okay oh should i be listening to that you should probably let me just double check your yeah i will be reading you stories 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 can you hear me jenna jenna Mm -hmm. jenna are you there yep i think you're i think you're good okay are you comfortable like is that comfortable for you uh yeah oh. i just moved this pillow better you just that made a huge difference yeah okay it's because i moved the pillow because i needed to be able to read my shit oh well yes because <coughs> i'm because i'm reading it from the newspaper i'm gonna put my feet up here please I'm do so sorry if they're gross i'm gonna drink my wine out of my skull head that you gave me you gave me this oh yeah our first day of podcasting you did excellent um <coughs> let me get let me get comfy here how do i sound do i sound all right do I sound? Do I sound too close? Do I sound too far away? That's too far. That's too far. That's good. That's, That's good. good. Yeah. Ooh, good. Okay. Mm-hmm. Excellent. <laughs> Same yard. All right. Ah, that's some good wine. This first little story. Thanks, Amy Wenton. She gave me that wine. Sorry. Oh. Okay, let me tell you a little thing, Jenna. Okie dokie. Okay, this is fun. Like- I, and by fun, I mean my absolutely extreme nightmare come true this is called buried alive 
Should I have a voice for this? Sure. Shit, I didn't practice a voice. <clears throat> you need an do ominous. I, should, I, should I do I my right same this time? My same go to any historical graveyard in Canada, and it's likely that some of the coffin lids will feature scratch marks before the advent of modern mo- medical monitoring. Monitoring. <laughs> Shit, that's so alliterationist. Modern medical monitoring. A few hours of unconsciousness could be all your loved ones needed to consign you to the nightmare of premature burial. A particularly chilling case was documented in Woodstock, Ontario in 1886. As the New York Times reported, a girl named Collins was being exhumed in order to move her to another burial place. When the coffin lid was removed, exhumer gazed in horror at the evidence of dreadful torture. Her shroud was torn into shreds, her knees were drawn up to her chin, and her arm was twisted under her head. That's horrible! And like, I, I also know Weird. that they used to put, um, yeah, so like, they would bury the dead soon because you didn't have like uh, embalming and that yeah. kind of thing, and you know, people would start smelling. Um, and then eventually they put like a string around the finger yeah. and and tie uh, like a bell on the top. So it'd like be, I guess, a post of like a tube of some sort. Um, so if the person woke up, then the bell would ring. But then with like decomp of the body would sometimes like either expand or the fingers yes. would move. And then the thing would ring anyway. So then there was like dead. So like, this is like a, and that didn't happen just in Canada. This one specifically, yes, is in Canada. But oh. yeah, <clears throat> this one's just <clears throat> interesting. It's a little history fact, okay? Mm-hmm. Right here. The Arctic zombies. Mm. You know the White Walkers? Yeah. This is where it comes from. <gasps> really? No, I just made the connection right now. <laughs> uh, the small party of Inuit camped at the southern end of King William Island around 1850 could count themselves as one of the most isolated people on earth. They had never met white people. They had never met Dene, and they barely encountered other Inuit. So it was a uniquely terrifying experience for them to hear the sound of footsteps outside their igloo and find themselves facing a crowd of lurching figures with eyes vacant, skin blue, Unable to talk and barely alive. Can you imagine? There's nobody around, and all of a sudden, that there's that. I fucking shit my pants. Yes. These were the last remnants of the ill-fated Franklin expedition, the 1845 British voyage of the Arctic exploration that ended with the death of all aboard. What? As ragged bands of expedition survivors. Yeah, what was that? Did you hear that? Yeah, and I have these on. You heard that? A rumbling? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's weird. What if there's a sinkhole outside and my car just got eaten? Shit. Because of the earthquake that happened? I'm so pissed. (laughs) Sorry. Keep going. Uh, That's okay. So, uh, as ragged bands of expedition survivors split up and trudged south in a desperate bid to flee the Arctic foot, Inuit throughout the region faced a real-life invasion of the walking dead. Oh my god! This just makes me think of the White Walkers. Yeah. <laughs> they saw men raving wildly, uh, they saw camps strewn with emaciated corpses, and they saw the Europeans begin to eat their dead. Ooh. They're not Inuit, they're not human, was how one witness described their arrival according to Inuit oral history crazy because the uh anyway wouldn't didn't have like any written history everything was just passed down yeah orally but yeah i'm like that's creepy and just like putting yourself did it happen again uh-huh i have my headset on so i can't hear i don't think it's my neighbor well the whole shake could they be doing construction again but there not was no i parked time. there not this time of night no anyways sorry you're okay walk, just you're walking me to my car yeah. With Bowie. That's fine. And Tyler. That's fine. We'll yeah. all go as a team. Okay. Buddy system. Yeah. <laughs> uh. Um, You know what I'm pissed about right now? You just fucking asked the spirits to fucking show themselves, and now the fucking house oh, is shaking. Did. You bastard. Mm. 
Oh, what can I say? And it's by all the skulls. I feel like it's coming right from here. I'm that little lady from the pol- from Poltergeist that comes in and tells everyone they're here. No, so pissed at you, no, right? That's that little girl who goes, they're here. <laughs> that's a great movie. <sighs> Sorry, I just thought about that. Yeah. I had I'm, to get mad at Jenna. Yeah, I apparently so uh, in, the ghosts. invoked. Uh, oh, I forget what the. Yeah, okay. Sorry about that. Spe- you guys go away, please. Thank you. Just until we're done recording. Speaking of ghosts, mm-hmm. Canadian soldier Will Byrd is one of the most celebrated memo- memoirists. I always have a hard time hanging. Mem- memoirist. There we go. Okay. Because I would say memoir, but memoir? it's too French. Memoir. We'll memoir. Memoirist. Memoir, like the people who keep a good memoir. Mm. Yeah. Of of the First World War, with veterans often citing his work as the most realistic portrayal of trench warfare. Warfare. <laughs> and today and in our collection, we're going to be wearing the the warfare uh, collection. <laughs> this night, eighteen twelve outfit is uh, brannished with a gold. Eighteen twelve. Oh, You've gone wait, too far. I did, didn't I? It's nineteen twelve, yeah. isn't it? Yes. There we go. Whoops. <laughs> it's okay. It's because I'm. My story set in the eighteen hundreds. <clears throat> Whoops. Sporting our... <laughs> it's our fall line. <laughs> Pantaloons. Fall. It's in the fall of... Oh, shit. Whatever country <clears throat> fell. Warfare. Portrayal of warfare. Trenches <laughs> in the warfare. <laughs> I like warfare better. Remember when, remember when I called Ted Bundy Bunny? Yes. That's the best. Uh, Bird, that's his last name, by the way, in case you forgot. Bird also believed that he fought his first world war in constant company of ghosts. Oh. Now, his brother, Stephen, had been killed on the Western Front in 1915, and Bird wrote that he decided to enlist after the specter of Stephen appeared before him on a Saskatchewan farm in full uniform. In an even more fantastical occurrence. Occurrence. I like to add extra. I like your fantastical. Fantastical, thank you. Love it. Bird was a corporal serving in France in 1917 when he reported being shaken awake by Stephen's ghost. Mm. Get your gear, the ghost told Bird before leading him on a short meandering walk down the trench. And your warfare. Don't forget your warfare. <laughs> You're wearing your warfare. Your latest warfare. <laughs> the next morning, Bird discovered that his original sleeping spot had been shattered by a high explosive shell. And he forever credited his survival to the watchful hands of his dead brother. Wait, wait, wait. Okay. <clears throat> Let's rewind here. Rewind. <laughs> so this guy yeah. wakes up in the middle of the night. No. Oh, no. Someone shaken shaken awake awake by the ghost of his dead brother in the middle of the night. And he goes, get your ass out of here. Yes. Come with me. We're going to go somewhere. They go for a stroll. Probably a lovely evening. Full moon. Mercury is probably in retrograde. Who knows? And then all of a sudden he goes back. He's like, we're done. Night's over. And boom. Something had hit his sleeping area. Son of a fuck. Yeah. I got chills. They're multiplying. And the paranormal is for real. I want to believe. Check Jenna's apartment because it's haunted. (laughs) That'd be cool. Don't stop. You're going to summon them again. (laughs) Uh, So Canadian historian Tim Cook found that Bird's experience was not unique and that many soldiers returned from the Western Front with the belief that they too had served time in... Uh, an ethereal land of the dead. As one Canadian infantryman said, you can feel the pulse of the thousands of the dead with their pale hands protruding through the mud here and there and seeming to beckon you. <gasps> okay. Yep. Let's. I'm curious as to why maybe back then there were more tales of paranormal activity. Is it because more people died in the masses like so so concentrated in one spot especially during the war like if, if these guys are reporting having these sort of paranormal experiences is it because constantly people were just 
Well, the First World War, so many people died. Yeah. So many Canadians died. Yes. As well. Like, it was, like, insane to know. There's a great exhibition. Did I say this already? At the Varley Gallery, where I also work (gasps) in Markham. Yeah. And it's art from the First World War. Because they banned any photos being taken. So it was only based on uh, artworks. Why did they ban photos? Oh, was it because of the materials that it made? Like, took to make the... I mean, they explained it to me, but I don't remember. Oh, okay. Um, but <laughs> pretty much you can't. So they would send... Then there was this... Um, I'm forgetting all the names. I want to say something brown. Anyway, that's how some of the Group of Seven were sent over prior to oh. the Group of Seven being formed, because they were formed in 1920. And um, that's how Varley, like Frederick Varley, went, and they would, like, paint... Um, these you know, these scenes. Oh, now, okay. it's not like they were in the trenches with their paint supplies. Uh, a lot of artists didn't even make it to the trenches. They were just kind of like there in the area or whatnot, or they paint the aftermath or what they think they it would be. Okay. But some of them, what what started is some of them were soldier artists. So they were actually artists that went over to fight and were actual sur- soldiers. So some of them were sketches that way. Or oh. if they got injured, then they would become artists as well. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think re- in, in my Walter Sickert research, when I did that mm-hmm. episode, there was a mention in the documentary about Walter Sickert, about the artists of that time. Mm-hmm. A lot of them were only doing wartime art. And he wanted to change the way wartime art was being developed and try to give a realism with like he tried to do realism with it if i'm not mistaken i don't know don't quote me but they did mention about how many uh um art pieces were created during this time to depict war but i didn't know it was because it was illegal to take photos oh that would be that's fascinating Mm -hmm. i want to look more into uh, more up in this in this oh my god words hi i know it's hard And so many horses died in that war, (gasps) which is like, oh, I didn't even know what they were doing. Did they have, um, would they have had dog, dogs as well, sniffing out mines and bombs and stuff? Would that, or would that have been World War II? Because doggies would have been. Well, Jenna, I would tend to think. That's what we say when we don't know the actual facts. Mm. I'm going to go ahead and say that that was more World War II, but I have no idea. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. I mean, I'm, were there dogs at some point? I'm sure they'd probably use dogs for something, but... Um, I don't know why that came in my head. They would have to. I think, I don't know, dogs were used for everything, but there were so many horses that died. Mm. Oh, I know. Anyway, this exhibition is really great. The curator there, by the way, she's fantastic. Yeah? Yeah. Should we give her a shout out? Yeah, her name is Anik. Hi, Anik. Oh, you've talked about a Nick before. She's my cousin. Oh, that's right. <laughs> but she's fantastic. Actually, she just won an award. <gasps> her and uh, an artist, shoot, I don't remember the artist's name, for one of her shows she curated. She yeah. won this, like, award uh, across something. I should know the name of the award. I'm sorry, Nick. Uh, it's an award. For curating this beautiful exhibition. How anyway, long is it going on for? She's the best. Uh, this one here, I don't know when it ends, but this was. This is not the award that she won um the for the uh, this wasn't this curated exhibition is not the award that she won for in a sense or whatever oh, okay it so was for another one because oh it's like, gotcha it's but like still, back, yeah it's badass way no, to go this one's this one's really good fuck yeah all right this one is called a seascape of corpses hey kim again yes this, i'm gonna teach this in my class we do landscapes, we do seascapes, but we've never done a seascape of corpses. <gasps> I want to do a seascape of corpses. This is more, again, kind of history, just interesting fact, two-second tidbit. Okay. Most survivors of the RMS Titanic never fully glimpsed the carnage of the sinking's aftermath, which is true. Lifeboats had spent the night vigorously rowing away from the wreck and were well outside the main debris field when picked up by rescuers. Instead... The awful specter of 1,500 floating bodies would be left for Canadians <gasps> to encounter. Four ships, that was four ships, were chartered out of Halifax to recover the Titanic's victims, fading crew members to spend days living and working in a lonely patch of North Atlantic inhabited only by endless fields of open-mouthed life jacket jacketed corpses 
One person says, started to pick up bodies at 6 a.m. and continued all day till 5.30 p.m., reads the diary of that crew member on the Mackay Bennett, mm-hmm. a cable ship that would handle more than 300 Titanic victims. That, that's just like... Yeah. I got... I got... Like, I can feel my spine chills. My nipples are hurt. Like, that gave me so many chills. You know what you need? A shirt, sweatshirt. I need a shirt, sweatshirt. I do. Yeah. Keep all that sweat in. Yeah. Chills, yeah. I'm sweating so much. Yeah, that's that's fucked up to think, like... Because <clears throat> it's... Like, I, I just got this mental image of a big boat with a bunch of guys going out in little rowboats, pushing the bodies with their oars, just trying to f- get them in a way that they could lift them into the boat proper, like having to maneuver. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Mm-mm. Nope. Here's a picture. Let's take a look here. Some of the bodies would be separated, right? Because it's been a while. <clears throat> but it's interesting. I didn't know Canadians were the ones that went out. No, I didn't either. I mean, it would make sense, but... Because they were going to New York, the the yeah the Titanic was on its way from, um, yeah. Where wait where did did they dock in London? Why do I feel like Ireland was something? No, they left they left England. It was England. Yeah. Okay. We know history, don't you remember Titanic? And a Canadian Rose DeWitt directed Titanic as well. Yes, James he did. Cameron, right mm-hmm. from um, uh, Caps Casing, Ontario. Okay. <laughs> This, this is gonna be fun to edit <laughs> i know you're gonna be like where the fuck am i yeah well, it's gonna take here we weren't supposed to have you edit anything and now you know that's fine so okay. just edit the beginning and leave all this stuff in everything okay it's gonna be a four hour episode i love it you know what fuck it that's okay i love it i love some it. people do I that and it. it's fine it's true okay <clears throat> the kaiser's ufos oh yeah well, well, well. we're getting into uh this is the aliens yeah and there's no solution wait wait aliens well, let me see. Okay. Every day, Canadians phone in an average of three sightings of unidentified flying <laughs> objects, according to the Canadian UFO survey. Three? Three. Whoa. Three. Whoa. 100 years ago, the country was experiencing a similar rash of UFO encounters. This is in Canada. All across Ontario and Quebec came sightings of low-flying objects emitting guttural drones and sweeping the landscape with a powerful searchlight. What? Parliament Hill was put into lockdown on February 1915 by reports of four of the objects cruising towards Ottawa dropping light balls as they went. In 1916, railway guards at Tilsonburg, Ontario, opened fire on a shadowy figure they believed had been brought by one of those flying machines. Canadians didn't think they were extraterrestrial, terre, extraterrestrials. <laughs> they thought they were Germans. Like, really? No, go back to the ET comments. German aircraft of the age could barely cross the English Channel, and yet Canadians were convinced that the Kaiser's airmen were threatening Canada from a secret base in the United States. What? (laughs) Subsequent analysts... um, You got it. (laughs) Analysis. I always have a hard time because I always want to say analysts. Anal? Anal. Yes, analysis. (laughs) Subsequent analysis, just go from there, of the sightings concluded (laughs) that they had been sparked by little more than boat motors, kites, and even straight-up hallucinations. You you don't even have an ending to this. Okay, let's get into it. The Ship of the Dead. Rammed by a coal ship in the St. Lawrence River in 1914, the Empress of Ireland took only 14 minutes to go down, taking 1,012 people with her. Ugh, that's horrible. Located in only 40 meters of water at the, uh, near Rimouski, Quebec, the ship has been a well-known site for salvage divers almost from the beginning. But... 
anyone entering the wreck knows they must navigate hallways and staterooms utterly choked with the bodies of men, women, and children who spent their last moments in a frantic, clawing terror of pitch-black tomb quickly filling with icy water. The first brass-helmeted diver to explore the ship in 1914 reported shining their dim lanterns at crowds of bloated, pale faces contorted in horror. No. Today the victims are skeletons no. and lie so thick within the wreck that the divers have nicknamed it the Boneyard. No. So they're all still there. I'm good. They are mm-hmm. all still there. Mm-mm. Jenna, would you like to see a picture? No. Come on. I I have actually, oh my God, I actually have a phobia of drowning. It's, that's my, that, if, that is the, really? I could, you know what, if you gave me, if you gave me lava, if you gave me hanging, I would take that over, over no, this. No, I think drowning is kind of, um, Mm-mm. because you get to a point where you feel like you need to breathe and when you, you inhale the water for a fo- first moment, you almost think like, oh, maybe I am breathing. And then I think you go kind of quickly. I, 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 I just, I'm just making that up. It makes, it's like, I'm not claustrophobic. I'm I usually don't get squeamish, but when it comes to, if I have to, when watching the Titanic, okay, so here, let me tell you a story. It was my 15th birthday. Titanic had just come out. It's 1998. Okay. Yep. Yeah, I think it was 15. Yeah, it came out in 1998. Yes, but you were not 15 in 1998 because I wasn't 15 yet. Wait, wait, 1998. I graduated. I was 13. Then I would have been been 10. (laughs) Okay, so it was my 10th birthday. We went and saw Titanic. We went to the Seaway Mall in Welland. Okay, Welland, Ontario. Um, and the scene where Jack Dawson is tied to the pole with the handcuffs. Oh, shit. And the water is filling. Yeah, that's I stressful. actually left because I, I could not stomach watching him thinking that he was going to die there. drowning. And ev- like, I can't, I just can't because I'm a swimmer and I, I'm very confident in my ability to swim. But if there was an undertow, like... You can, no, 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 no. There's nothing you can do. Like, holy fuck. I just. Maybe you died by drowning in your past life. You know, it's funny. When we talked about that last week, was it us that we talked about it? I don't, I can't remember yesterday. Was I, I might've been listening to a podcast. Oh, I was, I was listening to, and this is why we drink. And they were talking about how M M was, uh, had gotten a psychic to, to talk about her past life stuff and how uh they were uh maybe part of like the western western cowboy um culture and stuff and i'm like i kind of want to i want to do that i want to have some sort of witchy lady tell me what what my past life was to see if it actually makes sense because i don't know where i don't know what i'm a weird i'm an oddball so maybe you're brand new oh maybe i am an original weird fuck yeah i am I never, okay, sorry. I OG. Ne- yeah, that, no. Mm-mm. Nope, that was a lot of bodies. I know. That was a lot of bodies. I don't, no. And like, look at, look at the hands, just for a second. Really? You want to torture me some more? Look at the hands floating, because it's ha- in the water. Mm-mm. It's like this, because it's water, right? So they've bloated, and then they've resank, and like, that's her arm, like, floating. And they're all pooled together. By the way, you're going to get pictures of this on Instagram, so. Oh, and there's people holding hands. I know, I know. Ooh. It's almost like the Titanic, oh in a God. sense, but this is only 40 meters deep, so they can, you know. Yeah, no. Yeah. Okay, well, let me tell you something else. We're gonna, okay. We were talking about water. Now let's talk about the air. Ooh. In April 1947... That's 1947. The Vancouver airport received a routine radio call from TransCanada Flight 3 from Lethbridge. The plane was banking over the Pacific Ocean for its final approach and would be touching down shortly. But the plane, a Lockhead Lodestar, is that how you say it? Sure. Lodestar? Who cares? With 15 passengers and crew aboard, never emerged from the clouds. A search the next morning revealed no signs of violence. No wreckage, no smoke, no witnesses. Who could report hearing a telltale sound of a plane slamming into the ground? A twin-engine plane had vanished from the sky over top the largest city in western Canada, and nobody had seen a thing. What? It was only in 1994 <gasps> Whoa. that Vancouverites... Vancouverites? Yeah. People from Vancouver... <laughs> discovered the truth flight three 
had spent nearly fifty years in the city's very backyard of the North Shore Mountains. What? How did this plane go unnoticed for fifty years? Crazy, right? Like Amelia Earhart. I want to oh, know what happened with her. Just send us a message. Yeah. Yeah. From the Shit. Bermuda Triangle. Bermuda. Okay. Here Kay. it is. Here we go. The occult prime minister. A what? Wait. <laughs> Somebody <laughs> all out. Hey, what? Hey, uh, wait. We had a pi- prime minister? <laughs> <laughs> So, I'm just kidding. Jenna, how it works here in Canada. <laughs> we have the sexiest prime minister right now. He is. Yeah. He's really adorable. He needs to take his shirt off more often, though. Yeah. And fight some bears. Yeah. So anyway, it's often said that Mackenzie King believed he could communicate with the ghost of his dead mother. You mean the guy who's on our $5 yeah. bill that's blue? Blue head. That's right. Our Monopoly money? Now, this didn't used to be all that unusual. Spiritualism was the yoga of its day, attracting devotees ranging from author Arthur Conan Doyle... (gasps) No way! ...to Mary Todd Lincoln. But what is less known is just how much faith King put in the world of the occult. He took leadership advice from the ghost of Franklin Roosevelt... What? He was obsessed with patterns, basing momentous decisions on, say, the symmetry of a nearby clock face. (laughs) In a particularly unhinged moment, King traveled to Nazi Germany in a euphoric haze, believing that he alone had been placed on Earth to meet Adolf Hitler and bring peace to the unsettled Europe. No, no. (laughs) Yep. Almost none of King's unorthodox beliefs were known to the millions who voted for him. Yeah. (laughs) Clearly. It would be akin to finding out... No. Yeah, akin to finding out that Brian Mulroney, that's right, has decided to implement the GST after being instructed by a secret message hidden in... Beatles records. No, <laughs> no. Are, Are you so like, fucking how kidding me? How do we not know more about this? Yeah. <laughs> fucking Beatles. Like, give me a break. If it was like Black Sabbath playing the record backwards, fine. But the Beatles? Well, Helter Skelter was kind of based off of it was um, Charles. Manson. Tax. Charles. Apparently, we're getting taxed. Thanks, Brian Mulroney. Fuck with? I'm just kidding. I don't know. I don't know anything. I what know about he the Beatles? was. Beatles. They're the ones secretly telling him to do it. Well, I believe everything John Lennon tells me because John Lennon talks to me. That's true. Yeah, he tells me that. Do you he told think me that we should a do yellow this submarine podcast. right now? Maybe. I don't know. He told me that we should do this podcast. Lucy in the sky with diamonds. <laughs> that was my beautiful scene. Cuckoo, 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 cuckoo. I don't have a. Oh, I did have a picture of. Prime Minister with um, Shirley Temple, but I didn't... Oh, I... Yeah, I do have it. Sorry. You do? Right there. Look at that. Let's see. Oh, my gosh. She's... Yeah. That is her. I I remember she she got into politics. That's all I I remember. Yeah. All right. Okay, this one's funny. It's not funny. The face is funny. The face is funny? The Mad Trapper. Ooh, wait a... Oh, oh, this sounds familiar. Okay. The mad trapper of Rat River wasn't just any fugitive. He was a fugitive with seemingly supernatural powers. Ooh. My nose is oh. Sorry, my nose is itchy. He held his own in two shootouts with RCMP. Oh. By the way, that's what we call our... Um, Royal Canadian Mounted Police. Oh, yes, but I'm, I was going to say just a police service, but oh. it's not a police service because... <laughs> are you thinking that I didn't know what RCMP yes, stands for? I'm so sorry. How, that is very no, un-Canadian of it's me. Not, like, OPP is the Ontario... Provincial Police. But R- RCMP is like all of Canada. Like, they like own everything. They're not the FBI, but, but they're, they're not. S- sort... Are they sort of like the FBI? 
Uh, no, because the FBI would get called in if if like there's a small town that doesn't know how to like solve something properly, they would call the FBI in. And I don't think they do that with the RCMP, but I think it's like Canada wise. It's funny. These are the guys who wear the the my guys. I mean guys and girls. The sexy hats. The hats with the big thigh pantaloon the things. Sexy pie pants. And they <laughs> pie pants. Wow, pantaloons and ride horses. But we're not actually sure what they do. Okay, so the Mad Trapper. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. We were doing something. Uh, so he was a fugitive. He had super, seemingly supernatural powers. He held his own in two shootouts with the RCMP. He survived the total destruction of his cabin by dynamite. Oh, well. He, sl- he slipped pursuers by climbing a 2,100 meter mountain in a blizzard with no mountaineering equipment. He moved 46 kilometers per day over rough Canadian wilderness in minus 50 temperatures while eschewing cook fires. By the way, it's eschewing and eschewing. You could say it both ways. I looked it up, so shut up. Okay. Um, not you, Jenna. Just oh. haters of people who... Don't hate. Discriminate. Wait. Don't discriminate. Don't... <laughs> no. <laughs> don't hate. Don't discriminate. Just be great. Oh, that's beautiful. There it is. Okay, so minus 50 temperatures without doing uh, fires, pretty yeah. much. Living off the land and definitely covering his tracks. Which is hard to do. Very, Very minus, fucking hard. In minus 50 without a fire? Are you kidding me? This guy's like psycho. Yeah. You want to know how I know that? It's because I'm playing a video game called The Long Dark. <laughs> and it's based on living in the wilderness so, of Canada. The northern... Oh, it is. It is. A, it's a Canadian company. They uh, they created so this like... you're playing the Mad Trapper. I am basically being the Mad Trapper. Although... Shit. Yeah, no. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to pretend that I'm the Mad Trapper now. The men seem to be fighting a demon rather than a human being. Mm. Observed, au- observed author Dick North in his... <laughs> Sorry, what? Dick North? He's really straight. <laughs> <laughs> upright right oh shit um, Sorry. anyway an in his definitive account no i love it of the 1932 manhunt and the manhunt known only by the pseudonym albert johnson had become canada's most wanted man for no reason the RCMP had merely been looking to question him about a suspected trapping dispute when he opened fire without warning. Although the man trapper would ultimately be brought down by a fusillade. I love that word, but you know me. Fusillade. A whole bunch of bullets. Oh. Okay, like a whole shitload of Mountie bullets. In the eastern Yukon. Eastern Yukon. To this day. To this day, nobody knows who he was, where he came from, or even what he sounded like. Reportedly, the only sound Johnson uttered during the chase was an echoing laugh at after he fatally shot Mountie Edgar Millen. You gotta oh, see this like guy's that? face. <laughs> this guy know. is, I swear <laughs> to you, I matched with this guy on Match.com when I was on this. What? Wait, what? Wait, you were on a dating site. I was on a dating you, site. There's you this, found a guy. I did not find a guy. A he guy found you. F- found, I forget what you do. You of like them or whatever. Of course he found you. He found me, and I swear to you. Because you're sexy, thanks. I think I have a picture of him. Uh, let me show you. I, I took a screenshot of, of this guy, because I used to laugh and say, this is who I'd match up with. But anyway, this is him. This is after he's dead, though. Like he's dead. This is the mad trapper. He's like... Where <laughs> you ended. Perineum, perineum, oh. perineum. So, this is the Mad Trapper. Okay. Go, ooh. He's like... I like how you're telling me what to say, and it's picking up in the microphone, and it's going to be very hard for me to edit. <laughs> I know, but that's why I think you so should keep what it that way. Oh, okay. So, yeah. you're directing me? Yeah. Director? Yeah. Action? Here's, and then you say, he's like... He's like... And then you give your description of what he looks like. Oh, right. He looks like Kiefer Sutherland, actually. And I mean that very sincerely. Thank you for the directions. Oh, I just accidentally clipped Prime Video. <laughs> Whoops. I don't know how I'm going to do edit this part, but it's... Don't edit it. No, I'm just going to The whole thing. It's just good. Guys, the whole system shut down yeah. again. Everything just got fucked. But it's okay because it's saved anyway, so we didn't have to mm-hmm. redo the first part. Do you know why it's saved? Because Julie reminded me to save it. Oh, that's what I got to talk about. 
how you fucked up. edited our episode for 45 oh billion hours uh-huh. and then you didn't save it once no. and then it got all gone deleted all gone but it's okay um but yeah he looks like uh he looks like a mix between uh Kiefer sutherland and philip seymour hoffmore philip seymour seymour hoffman hoffman listen this guy's delicious like, looking look at him like he's <laughs> yeah like i'm not like he, yeah I, I you know what's up what's this oh it's just the oh, corner the pillow. of the pillow <laughs> what did you think it was this is a little nubbins it's happening the little nubbins um it's do you know so have you ever creepy. seen someone try to put tape like put scotch tape on their nose and stick it up okay that's no, what it looks this like is, uh, okay you know what <laughs> just we're taking a break okay put intro music or put uh interlude music here boop. yeah boop boop Boop, 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 okay, boop, so I'm still dating boop, boop, Dexter. Boop, this is pre-Dexter time. Hang on, keep going. Keep Because like I feel like we just can't continue. Does this not look like the same? <laughs> <fucking guy? laughs> oh my god! What the? This fuck? is somebody. Like- this is somebody I matched with, or he matched no. with me. Yeah, sorry. On matched, you get matched with profiles. This is somebody I matched with who liked my profile. He looks like my ex-boyfriend. Well, What's he his looks name? like the What's fucking match. I don't know. I, Damn I, it. I, if his name's Matt, please I tell me his name's Matt. I can't. I, can't. I, I, I just took the screenshot that, of that profile. I'm not shitting you. That looks like my shitty ex-boyfriend, Matt. Like I, It looks. It ex- also looks like the Mad Trapper. Yes, it does. Yes, it Should does. Should we put this on, on Instagram? Oh my God, did no? we? Did we both get matched with like this? Oh my God, that's so weird. I never went on a date with this guy. Good. You ever. I never talked to him or nothing. But oh. this is the type of person. Can I see That's duct tape. That's duct tape. This is the type of person I would match with. Now, I matched with one good one. Isn't that? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I don't. You know what? That person's from Toronto, so I don't think we could post it on Instagram. I don't have, I don't have like two seconds left. No, two take stories. your fucking time. It's okay. amazing. The hooded snaker. <laughs> Reen. Oh my God. As they dug into the foundation of an ancient proto-Inuit house on Baffin Island. I just changed my accent like three times. There. You did. Where's Baffin Island, by the way? very north my friend did it and like uh you hike it you can't oh when you said my friend did it i was like uh (laughs) the whole island like she did mr baffin (laughs) she's like yo mr baffin it took me like 18 planes one canoe ride and 48 other planes to get here but i came here for you (laughs) i came i don't know i'm trying to think of another joke whatever it's uh it's far north and you have to like like pick up your poo if you poo mm-hmm. and like burn it and like you can't degree. leave it you there you can't leave your poop there and so do the animals pick up after themselves too <laughs> the animals are allowed to the polar bears that are there that you, you can technically eat but don't eat because polar bears are can you tell the difference between human fecal matter and animal fecal matter like which ones are closest so i think if us? you go to baffin islands you have to um, find poo <laughs> I think you don't like a random Yahoo doesn't just go to Baffin Islands and okay. hikes it. Like you have to know your shit. So usually you get a guided tour or some something like that. Oh. Or if you are somebody who does who would go do it, you have a lot of knowledge, and so you would I would hope respect the environment because Absolutely. it's so pure and whatnot. Okay. I almost said do you triage there, but it's actually pre No shoot, what is it called? Um, Portage, not it's portage. Portaging, it's portage. Portage, portage, portage. Portage, portage. is just li- literally to hold, Port- like to carry it. Yeah, but I almost said triage, which is not the same. No, that's what you do at the emergency yeah. room. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm fine. Anyway, so uh, ancient Proto-Inuit house on Baffin Island, archaeologists George and Deborah Sabo were turning up the usual artifacts, bones, baleine, harpoon heads, bits of wood, Mm. but then their tools unearthed something downright eerie. A faceless man in a hooded robe with a simple cross emblazoned on his chest. To any modern Westerner, the figure was 
instantly recognizable as a member of the Roman Catholic clergy. This is a sculpture, by the way, not an actual human being. Okay. But to nomadic Thule people living in the time of the Middle Ages, it should have been a figure as alien as a Martian. To the Sabos, the people that were discovering this, the eerie figurine was proof that the mythical Heluland mentioned in Viking sagas wasn't mythical at all. It had been in Arctic Canada all along. Vikings had indeed walked these lands, met the inhabitants, and left an impression before vanishing as mysteriously as they had come. Really? Yeah, so you know that there's like, um, you know that the Vikings... So Columbus is said to be the first one to discover Canada. Yeah. He can but, suck a butt. Yeah. And then, then it was like, well, no, the Vikings would have done that. But then some people are like, well, there's no proof. And there is proof. And they found proof. And there's lots of proof and whatever. But yeah, this is, uh, you know, uh, 500 years before Columbus was even born. Yeah, screw you, Columbus. Vikings were there. You can take your Nina Pinta and Santa Maria and shove it up your bum. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. I, I think I said those right. And if I did, I'm super proud of myself because that's this. always a trivia question. Please name the three ships that the, the what's his face? Was it whatever? That's the figurine. Whoa! So that's not, any, oh, that's okay. That's not, anyway, at all. Okay, so what I'm looking at here, it looks like a, it looks, it looks stone. Yeah, I would assume it's from a soapstone. Same as. Oh, yeah. So, like, were they together? Were they hanging out? Did they say this is what our you can see the cross on his chest. Like, I do see the sort of, like, markings of what looks like a robe. You're right. I notice that the drawing that's beside this picture kind of has lines on the face. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily... I mean, I see the lines all over. Like, it looks like there's natural lines in this grained... Stone. Stone. But that's crazy. Yeah. That's that's definitely not Inuit. No. Or Thule. No. Because <clears throat> I don't think... Oh, sorry. Uh, I hope it's Thule. I have been teaching these lessons for a long time, and I never know if it's Thule or Thule. You mean, like, the material? No, no, no. I'm talking about the people. Oh, so the people. There's a whole bunch. So, in, in Inuit... I think it was material. In Inuit, like... Um, uh, I wish I would know all the names. There's, like, different groups of let's say northern um indigenous people like groups mm-hmm. and Thule was part of it it's t-h-u-l-e and i always say Thule. okay but i'm going to assume that's right yeah you know what until somebody says that yes it'd be fool if it wasn't Thule. oh boy jenna stop and there's just a lot of it's, <clears throat> it's super fascinating though like just all that history yeah because I mean, when we talk about Vikings, we oh, my only knowledge of them is that they only went to the shores of Newfoundland, Halifax, and didn't go that in that much inward mm-hmm. into Canada, like Canada at all. I had no idea. Oh, I'm gonna sneeze! Do it, sneeze on, no. sneeze it. No, Jenna, stop it! I'm gross. <laughs> I'm sorry, blast. That was good. That was a good sneeze. I didn't want to hit anything, and I did. That's okay. You're, you're, uh, ar- what is it? You're armed and you're like locked in. I'm locked in. It's my you're seat locked belt. in seatbelt. Okay, last story here. This is horrible. Again, nightmare. The what? Phantom Terror Attack. Ooh. In May 2004. A mysterious olive-skinned man disembarking Vancouver's number 98 bus offered an eerie remark to the driver. How's your day going? said the man. When the driver replied that it was going well, the man replied, It won't be for long. Ten kilometers kilometers later, the bus driver was overcome by nausea and threw up. With other passengers reporting similar symptoms, the driver pulled over and radioed for help. Paramedics arrived on the scene, and they too fell ill. The whole episode carried a tra- uh, carried trademarks of a new and terrifying form of chemical terror attack. But Vancouver's chief medical health officer, John Bletherwick, concluded that the true cause of the incident was weirder still nothing there was no chemical 
and there was no terrorist, and no terrorist, a cryptic comet had simply plunged an entire group of Vancouver strangers, including trained emer emergency personnel, into a state of sudden mass hysteria. Wait, what? Wh okay. <clears throat> guy walks into a bus. Well, he the guy was on the bus. No, I know. I'm just oh, yeah. trying to be funny. Oh, it's failed. Guy's on the bus. <laughs> guy goes up to the bus driver and says, hey, how's it going? You good? I'm good. Yeah, not for long. And then, boom. Ten kilometers later, he everyone threw up and everybody threw up and the paramedics showed up and they threw up. That's fucking creepy. Wouldn't be like the area in which they're in. Could have been near a wastewater treatment plant. Because I know here, being close to like Ashbridge's Bay, we sometimes get that wafting yes, delicious smell. Yes, they never reported a smell. Fuck. There's no smell. Not, mm, just like, and did they figure out who the guy was on the bus? Did they have any knowledge of the... Olive Skin Man <clears throat> disembarked Vancouver's number 98 bus, offered an eerie remark to the driver. So he probably would have, once the paramedics got there, would have got, like, just casually walked off into no, the... No, he was, he, so he, he got off the bus. He's like, yo, peace, I'm getting off the bus. <gasps> How's your day going? The bus driver said, good, thanks. Yeah. He's like, not for long, and, and walks then off the bus. My thinking, if, if somebody says that, do you call the police? <laughs> like, as a bus driver, like, is there a bomb on the bus? But yeah, he says, not for long, and he leaves. Then the bus keeps driving for 10 kilometers. And then everyone's like, Hoo. And then everybody got sick. Oh, I remember, I forgot, you don't like the noise of... No, I hate and everything I to do with everything. apologize, because of long episodes ago long long time ago i did that and i felt so bad because i'm listening to it editing going she doesn't like vomiting noises and i no, feel I, so bad i have a high so huge sorry. fear of vomit yeah i yeah. mean i i have a i have a fear of seeing it well and, i mean i don't think anybody likes it yeah I no i said before but i can't yeah, no i tyler have, can deal with it really well no it's I fine no. well not really well but he can handle it i just i can't nope at all I, nope no, no thank you. that's more terrifying to me than a spirit from beyond the grave. I agree. I agree. Very much so. Yes. I'd rather see a ghost than... Yeah. I'd rather see a ghost than a centipede, too. Oh, shit. The ones that bite you? The centipedes bite? I sent you a link. You did? You didn't read it? This will ruin your life. It's the house centipedes mm. that we all have in our houses. They bite. They bite when and they you? hurt so much like a sting, like when a bee sting. When did you send it to me? Like three weeks ago. You never oh read God. my messages. I do. You never even listen to me, Jenna. I listen to me. I swear. Don't listen to me. Am I up next? Yeah, I would think so. Okay. I'm done. It only took three and hours and a half. Mind you. One hour and 45 minutes. But that's not all my story. No. It was the first like 80 minutes was us talking and then we I have like so. 80 minutes in between of talking. We got a lot of good juicy stuff for extras. Extra content though. Extra. Fuck it. Make this episode four hours. Uh, okay, whatever. Uh, I want to put some fancy editing into it. I'm gonna... I'm just gonna top up my wine. That concludes part one of episode seven of The Art of Murder podcast. Please rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, and Google Play. Love us. Follow us. Be us. We are your masters. Jenna and Julie are the supreme beings of the universe. Now go download and enjoy part 2 of episode 7. Ambient Toast.